This is Vixen John, creator of Minute Made New York, and you're listening to Minutes Heard. On today's episode of Minutes Heard, I share my conversation with Kennedy Ross, a stand-up comedian and author of his own book. And we actually connected through a mutual friend at Brick Arts Media, and I had the opportunity to work with him as well as see him in action at his own stand-up comedy show. So we actually had a great conversation about his book, his endeavors when it comes to his writings, and we get a little bit into religion and his newfound look on spirituality. So sit back and take a listen. So to start, as I start with everybody, so what motivates you to get up every day and make the best of it? Like, what's your motivation? What's your drive, if you have to think of it? Um... Right now, it's, 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 I believe that we live in this world, but within this world, there are a bunch of other different worlds that, you know, we're not aware of, you know, the worlds that the rappers live in, the worlds that the politicians live in, the world that the homeless live in. Um, I, I like to say, you know, I've lived in this world for, you know, 30 something odd years. I like to try a new world. And, uh this is one way to do it. Um, I happen to have all my close friends are artists. They paint, they draw. <clears throat> They're very good. Um, I can't paint, I can't draw, can't dance or sing. But I'm a very creative individual. So, I write. And that is my way to explore new and different worlds. So, before I die, I will enter a new world. And hopefully enjoy it. Okay. Well, FYI, uh, there's going to be a space force happening. So, um, <laughs> in case you're done with Earth, yeah, yeah, you might have a chance on another yeah, one. We'll see. Yeah, Reagan wa- uh, was supposed to have Star Wars up too. <laughs> that never, that never manifested. Well, yeah, all these projects are uh, budget pending. You know? Yeah, of course. Got to flip the bill. Uh, so yeah, once again, if you are done with this planet, you might have a room for another. <laughs> Literally, uh, your dreams might come true. <laughs> the way things are going these days yeah. uh, alright so just talk a little bit about the creative ventures that you're in uh, talk about your stand up comedy and talk about your book just talk about all the current creative uh, ventures that you're in right now uh, so right now um, first and foremost is my book my book is called He Said It I Didn't a biblical book report Brooklyn style um how that came about was um, I was actually preparing to film a documentary on the black Israelites. Um, you don't see them too much these days, but I actually wrote this book between eight and ten years ago. Um, and how it happened was I was actually right over there, like three blocks from where we're, we are right now in the, the Albee Square Mall area, or when, when, what was the Albee Square Mall area of Brooklyn. And the black Israelites were there, you know, of course verbally abusing, you know, someone or another. As a note. Yeah. I find these guys particularly entertaining. They are a hoot. Hilarious. <laughs> um, but it occurred to me that I personally had not seen anything done on them. No documentary, no no anything like that. So, I was like, I'm going to film a documentary on the Black Israelites. Uh, so, I thought to myself, like, okay, these dudes are screaming from the Bible. Um, if I'm going to interview them and potentially you know, catch them you know, in a 
uh, misunderstanding or a lie, whatever it is, you know, I need to know something about the Bible. Um, I was raised Catholic, but once I finished with my, my two rituals, uh, my mother said, you know, you're free to do what you want. I left, never turned back. I'm pretty much an atheist. Uh, so I was like, okay, got to read the Bible in order to do battle with the black Israelites. And before I even got out of Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible, I was like, huh, this is fascinating. Uh, everything I knew about the Bible or was told about the Bible or learned in, in Sunday school was like just off to my left. But everything that's in the Bible is just off to the right. And I thought to myself, I'm like, do Christians know about this? <laughs> you know? And at that point, I was like, okay, I got to put the documentary in the back burner and I have to write about this. So that's what I did. I spent the next year and three or four months reading the Bible. I took about a three or four month break because it was the most monotonous, the most repetitive, oh, yeah. the most mind bending piece of literature I'd ever read. But I did it and I actually figured out like after my break, I figured out if I read 20 pages a day, I would finish it by Christmas that year. And that's exactly what I was almost like a Christmas present to myself. Like I finished the book and I was done. So after that, then I, well, as I was reading, I was highlighting everything that I wanted to talk about. And, and you know, I'm, I make no bones about it. I say it in the introduction to my book. I'm not here to repeat all the wonderful things about Jesus. I'm not here to repeat how valiant Moses was. I'm not here to repeat about how dedicated and, you know, and loyal the apostles were. Because, quite frankly, that's, that's a small part of the Bible. Right. The larger part is the heinous atrocities committed by Moses, committed by David, committed by Joshua, committed by all these dudes that were generals in God's army, and they massacred like men, women, and children. And again, I'm thinking to myself, like, do Christians know about this God? Because this is not the God I was talking about. So I highlighted all of that stuff, and then I found this website called thebiblegateway.com. And it had something like 94 versions of the Bible. <laughs> Which, in and of itself, that statement is just ridiculous. I just know of the two. Right. Uh, all right. Well, I mean, some of, them, some of them were, you know, other languages and stuff like that. Uh, right. But some of them were just other versions that said a little bit different thing. Yeah. And so, all the parts that I highlighted, I found on the website. I copied and pasted it into spreadsheets. Organized them into, you know, similar subject matters. which became my chapters. And then when everything was all... Uh, sorted out in the spreadsheets, I reread everything and was just writing my thoughts and feelings about what I was reading off the top of my head. And that's how the book was born. And um, I tried to get it, you know, published. I still have the 88 rejection letters I got from uh, the literary agents because, you know, publishing a book is like trying to, you know, sell an album. You can't just go to a record company and say, hey, I have an album. You have need an agent. You can't go to a, a publishing company and say, hey, I have a book. You need a literary agent. So I solicited the services of literary agents, and I was just I sent out something like 88 to 100 uh, letters with, you know, whatever they require, you know, one chapter, two chapters, da-da-da-da. And I just got turned down by everybody. Uh, all but five of those letters were form letters. Like, you know, thank you, Mr., you know, for, for submitting, um, you know, but we can't da-da-da. 
five of them actually wrote me back handwritten letter they basically said we see what you're doing here this is interesting it's funny but we just can't and I was like okay and I, I let it go I went on to other ventures and uh, last year uh, thanks to some um, motivational uh, training that I was uh, involved with with my wife um, I decided to, to go back and and have it published so I, I did self-publishing and um, the show that you were at that was the first time I had just gotten the copies a week before and that was when so it was just published the week before that and um, and now I'm just trying to uh, to get that out there and 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 basically again you know so initially my motivation was like I said it was complete fascination for the disparity between what I knew about the Bible and I knew about the religious figures to what was actually represented in the Bible um, now say that was 10 years ago now when I decided to try and publish it and decide and I really did go out back and publish it like I said I want people to know people can believe what they want you know you can believe in the devil you can believe in you know God you can believe in Buddha whatever but just actually know who it is or what it is you're worshiping and I'm pretty sure and I'm being generous 90% of Christians have no idea what's in the Bible in fact like like I said I'm pretty much an atheist almost everyone I know family members friends they're Christians they're born again they're Baptist they're something and I'm almost certain I'm the only one who's actually read the whole Bible and all of them um and so you know I know there's people you know you know the the uh, uh uh, several years ago, like about ten years ago, the big thing was you know the under the down low brother. You know those are you know black men, gay black men who are undercover because you know obviously black people have a big problem with the homosexual community, and that is mostly rooted in the Bible, where it says we have to kill homosexuals. That's actually what the Israelites were saying when I listened to them when this whole thing started. They were actually screaming to two gay dudes across the street that we have to kill them because God said so. And I was like, oh, the Israelites are crazy. God doesn't say to kill people. No, God does say to kill people. God says to kill the gays. God says if uh, your children are coming out, you know, giving you lip and back talk in the street, you can get the, the elders in the town to stone them to death. God said, God actually, and this is one of my favorite parts of the Bible, he he actually had Moses kill about 2,000 Israelites that were following him. Kill 2,000 Israelites. Why? Because when he sicked the Israelites on some unsuspecting village or town because it was their their um their their uh their promised land and they decided to show mercy and killed only the men. But God told them to kill everyone. And it says specifically to kill the women and the children. This is God. Kill the women and the children. And so because they didn't do it, God had Moses kill them. And I'm like, again, do Christians know about these parts? So, again, my whole thing is you can worship whoever you want. Just know what you're talking about. 
Right. And most Christians don't know all of this stuff. So like I said, I I purposely highlighted all the heinous, horrible things that's in the Bible because there's a lot of heinous, horrible things. Mm-hmm. You're right. So, you know, and like I said, you know, people today, they, they, they don't know. They're ignorant of the facts or at least the facts that's portrayed in the Bible. I personally don't believe any of it is true, but, you know, they do. So here it is. And, and that's why it's called he said it, I didn't. I didn't say all of this horrible stuff. He said it. He, your God, he, it's his book, you know, written by men, inspired by God. So that means these are God's words. So God is telling you, kill these kids. Kill those kids. Kill everyone who doesn't listen to me. I didn't say that. God did. But is that who you want to follow? Is that who you want to worship? Now I'm presenting you with a real life option. Because you didn't have one before because you didn't know who you were following. To, to the homosexuals out there who 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 are you know are, are near suicide because of the guilt and the shame you know of being gay being who they are you know this is who is telling you that you shouldn't be that this is who is telling you that you're gonna burn in hell because of how you were born are you gonna listen to this guy are you gonna still believe that this guy exists after you read how so evident it is that men just wrote this book. This was not divinely inspired. This was not, you know, supernatural. It's so clear. If you read the Bible from beginning to end, that this is just man-made fiction. Like I said, I did the hard work for you guys. <laughs> you know, I, I read the twelve or 1,400 pages of this, of this madness. You don't have to. My book is only like 200 pages. <laughs> so... There you go. Um, as far as my stand-up goes, my stand-up is... That's, that's my hobby. Uh, actually, one of my, my ex-girlfriend, she thought that I would be a great stand-up, so she enrolled us both in a stand-up class, uh, Manhattan Comedy School, uh, several years ago. And our graduation is... Uh, we did five minutes at Caroline's. And since then, like every few years, you know, I decide to get up and, you know... And it usually works out. I usually have, you know, pretty good shows. Um, like I said, it's not my, my dream to do stand-up. But it's something that, you know, it, when I finally get out of the rat race, stand-up will be something I do to have fun and kick around. Because, you know, like I said, I, I'm a writer. So, you know, I can write stuff for myself. I can write stuff for other people. Uh, I've, I've gotten jobs writing for other comedians. So it's just something I do. It's something I enjoy. I love the creativity. Um, and, you know, I like, I like, I like getting reactions. You know, the essence of what I do, be it writing a book, be it doing films, be it, you know, stand-up, I have three staples of my creativity that I try to infuse in everything I do. I try to entertain, I try to educate, and I try to agitate. I always believe if you can do two of those three things, then you've gotten someone's attention and they'll listen to, they'll at least hear what it is you're saying. They may be too pissed off, you know, at the time to hear it. I mean, to listen to it, but they'll hear it, you know. Um, so that, that's what I, that's what I try to do. Everything I do is, is that I try to get all three in there. Um, and with my book, it, it certainly, uh, I, I've gotten um, one of my friends. He, he wrote the. He actually stopped in the middle, and he called me up. He was like, "Yo, this is hilarious." This is so funny. Um, and he's like, yeah, you know, he, you know, in 
he's not religious. One of the few friends I have is not religious. So he wasn't pissed off or anything. But, um, you know, I, I, you know, that, that's what I'm after. The, I, I did a film, my first uh, screenplay I wrote and I, I created, um, it's called Deathbed. It's on YouTube. Uh, my, my best friend and the, the director of the film, we took it to the, the International Black Film uh, Festival in uh, Miami back in 2011 or 2012. And um, we did a screening. And this guy said, after the screening, he was like, you know, every time the main character, like, he just he just got me so angry and pissed off. Every time I was just ready to hate him, he said something that made me laugh. And I was like, mission accomplished. Like, that's, that's what I try to do, you know. Uh, as far as screenwriting, I love, I'm a dark comedy guy. I'm a dramedy guy. I love mixing those two emotions. I love taking people on, on that roller coaster, you know, just up, down, back and forth, you know, left, right. Um, and it's a challenge to, 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 to create that, you know, all the time. But that's what I love. That's what I, that, that, that's what I really enjoy doing. That was very long-winded. No, no, it's fine. No, I've had longer uh, interviews, so <laughs> I, I just, as long as it's free-flowing, that's mm. all that matters to me. I mean, it's my job to chop it down to a minute, right. so talk away-ish. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so the main passion uh, for you, as you were saying, I mean, you're a creative person, but writing is the main... Right, that's that's my main, flow. Yeah, that's the main right. lane. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to... All right, so you're, you've, you've come out with this book recently, mm -hmm. and um, you know, I'm pretty sure... Like what? Well, just briefly, like what is what was the I guess initial reactions or responses that you've heard from the book itself? Um, well, like I say it's really fresh. Um, people are they they've they just the 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 just the subject alone, just the fact that I did this. I, when I was writing the book, I had friends ask me not to write it because they thought some religious lunatic was going to shoot me in the head. Like, they were like, yo, man, don't do this. They're going to come after him. I'm like, I didn't think they would, but I actually, I literally was like, you know what? If it happens, so be it. Like, I just felt that this this truth, which is the way I see it, because it's, it's in there, you know, it's a book that's like in every hotel room in the country. Yet no one reads the damn thing. So I, I was just like, someone needs to hear this, you know? Somebody to, 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 to say, just be like, hey, this is what you skipped over <laughs> going to the good, the, 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 the happy parts, you know, all of this stuff. So, you know, people were afraid. They, they were afraid I was going to get blasted. They were afraid, uh, you know, my house was going to get firebombed. Um, so far, you know, uh, that hasn't happened, <laughs> you know, knock on wood. Um, I haven't had, you know, people are still, um, I mean, to be honest with you, I haven't, like, tracked people down to, to find out, like, letting them uh, get to it in their own time. Uh, what I've learned is that, at least from people that you know, when you do creative stuff, unfortunately, there's not a whole lot of support, you know. Um, I think part of it is that, you know, they're so used to hearing me saying stuff like this or knowing my, my thought patterns that it's like, oh, really it's no it's no oh yeah, this is just what, what he does, it's no big deal. Um but uh just again the subject matter, um people thought it was great. They thought it was like I said, they thought it was interesting. It was fear again, what I'm after, it was a bunch of different emotions. You know, they they didn't know they were afraid of <laughs> what they and I think that's what a part of it is. 
I think deep down, people know that there's something just wrong with this whole, you know, uh, dogma and, you know, this, this theology and all this, this stuff. So I think they're just afraid to, to really delve into it because they know that I did do that. They know that this is going to be, you know, very revealing. And I, I think they're, they're a little, you know, apprehensive to, uh, because this could be potentially life-changing stuff for people. You know, you've lived your life by these set of rules and by this understanding of how things go and who's in control and da da da. And this one book might be like, well, well, it'll challenge you know everything you know to be true, and then you have to make a decision: do you stay, you know, take the blue pill or the red pill? You know, mm-hmm. do you stay in the matrix or do you come out and you know live your life on your terms? You know you be responsible for it. There's no finger holding you on this planet. There is no uh, 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 mystical force guiding you. You actually did everything that happened to you to yourself. And you will continue to do And that's why I wrote my book. I'm like, be happy. Take pride in the fact that you're not in jail because you made sure you weren't in jail. You know, you've never killed anyone because you never chose to kill anyone. You know, you are a, 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 a functioning member of society because that's how you wanted it. Not because you were just lucky that this was God's plan. No. Doesn't. Doesn't. In my opinion. And like I said, my book, to me, shows that it's more than opinion. It's fact. You did it. You're responsible for the good and the bad. So. Okay. Roll with it. No, that's a hot take. Um... Bonus question: Do you think uh, that uh, God is to the Bible as uh, Donald Trump is to Twitter? <laughs> um, no, only because uh, Twitter was around before Trump. Um, I don't think uh, I don't think Trump has been. Because he was tweeting before he became president. Does everyone remember that? Right. It's only be it's it's only of significance now because he's now the president and he's tweeting, which to me is just an example of how uh, overblown the presidency is. Maybe it wasn't forty years ago, but now it's just an office like everything else. I personally never believe the president ran the country anyway. Right. You know, That's there's a whole different take. Right, yeah. too much money, but. Um, no, actually, in my in my my book, you know, I kind of asked the question, like, so, you know, if if all of this stuff, you know, didn't happen and da da da, like, how did this 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 legend become? Mm-hmm. And you know, um, actually, one of my chapters is called "Can I Get a Witness?" And I interview three what I call Bible experts and ask them questions about the Bible. And it wasn't easy to get, mind you, because like I said, for some reason, people just don't want it. Just don't want to be questioned about it. But um, I, I I interviewed a guy I call a religious nut because he's not official anything, but he knew his Bible. Anything I, I asked him, he was like, oh, the chapter, blah, 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 verse, blah, 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 and he recited. So he knew his Bible. Crazy as all hell, but he knew his Bible. Right. I interviewed uh, a minister, um, 50-something years old, and I stumped him with my questions because they just they just know what they were told to read. And then they tell people to read the same things, completely ignoring all the rest of the stuff that I chose to read. 
And then I interviewed a, a, a theological professor. And he actually agreed with everything I said. And I, so I asked him, like, so how did this happen then? Because he doesn't believe that Jesus was born again. I mean, you know, Kate rose from the dead. He doesn't believe uh, 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 that um, the story of Job and all that. He was like, all that stuff is made up. So I'm like, well, then how did Jesus become Jesus? And he was like, you know, he gave like a, a semi-elaborate explanation, but it was it made sense. You know, and, and so I, and when I wrote the book, I'm like, Jesus could have just been like, you know, a happy-go-lucky hippie who just wanted to do good. And, you know, when he died, it, you know how, like, like, like Basquiat, for instance. Can't stand Basquiat because I think he's, he's crap as an artist. Uh, but all of a sudden now, his paintings are worth, like, $200 million. You know? From what I understand, they weren't worth a, a damn when he was alive. But his legend grew and it just multiplied and multiplied. And I think that's what happened with, with, with Jesus. Like, I think he was a dude... If he existed at all, I have no idea. But I think he was a dude, you know, he had, you know, this completely left field take on the way things were supposed to be. Some people were listening to him. Then he died. He became a martyr. And human beings took over and built up the legend, mystified him, deified him. And uh, let's, let's face it, Jesus had the best hype machine <laughs> the world has ever seen. Because billions of people still worship him, and he may not have ever existed. So, right. what are you going to do? It's the biggest word-of-mouth story ever told? Yeah. yeah. Basically. Still, still ringing to this day. To this day. Well, that's what happens when people take uh, heed of the good book. Which, as you're saying now, is pretty asterisk on the good. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, I think I got enough. I mean... Oh, if I may? Yeah, sure. No, please. Um, so when I I I I, I uh, got with this publisher and they asked me like so what is the end goal for you with writing this book and I told them I was like you know what to be honest with you I really want to, and obviously I want the book to do well but I want the book to do well so that I can get enough enough cachet to actually have my movie made and I came up with the concept of this movie as I was writing this book. It actually, it came up when I was writing the parts that had to do with the New Testament. And I was, <laughs> I was actually looking at, I, 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 I kind of like looked over, because I wanted to write about Pastor of the Christ, the Mel Gibson movie. The easily, the most exaggerated, overblown thing you've ever seen. Um, that, that, that whooping part, you know, it was about, they were beating Jesus for almost literally 10 to 15 minutes of screen time. I, it's it completely Im, impossible for any human being to absorb that type of punishment and still live. But nonetheless, I started thinking. I was like, everyone's waiting for Jesus to come back. Oh, Christ is coming back. Da, da, da. And so I think to myself, I'm like, what would happen if Jesus, what, what would Jesus actually be like if he came back? And when I went to the uh, Black Film Festival I told you about, surrounded by black directors, black producers, black actors, black, you know, uh, writers. And, you know, everyone's socializing. And, and I all, invariably, I would eventually get to him like, hey, you know, I was thinking of this concept of this movie. I'm like, what would Jesus be like if he came back? And everyone said the same thing. Oh, he'd be a freedom fighter. Oh, he'd be feeding the poor. Oh, he'd be helping the sick. Da, 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 da. I'm 
I was like, oh, okay, I got you. And they're like, what do you think you'd be like? And I told them all the same thing. I think Jesus would have post-traumatic stress disorder. I think he might have be suffering from panic, panic attacks. I think he might have depression issues. I think he might have parental abandonment issues. And I said, and what does one do when they have all of these issues? Or, or as that question is always like, what would Jesus do? You know, what would Jesus do if he suffered from all of these things? And my answer is simple. He would seek psychological help like everybody else. And that's the movie that I want to make. I have Jesus on the couch getting therapy for the atrocities he suffered in the New Testament when he came back here on earth. And like that, that, like that is the, for right now, my end goal. Like I want that book to spawn that movie. And, and every person I've told that idea to, they were like, yo, that is crazy. That is a great idea. I never thought about that. They loved it. So I would like to get that made. I would, I would truly, truly, truly love to get that movie made. And I already have the, the sequel thought out in my head. <laughs> Script is already written for the, for, the, for, the, for, the, for the movie. I have the sequel already in my head. So. Uh, Jesus be a couch too. <laughs> uh, actually, the working title of the, the the movie is called "My Three O'clock, The Morning Star." Uh, that's clever. Uh, no, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You already have the sequel. That's that's amazing that you already have the sequel. <laughs> like, <laughs> the, the the movie's not even like yeah. even there yet, no, but no. the sequel not already. A penny waiting for that movie, but I have the sequel. So I said, you know, usually they want like, you know, if, if you find a financier, they want like three projects. I'm like, all right, I got the book, I got this movie, and I got the sequel. I'm ready to go. Let's make it happen. <laughs> That's awesome. No, that is actually a really good idea. And no, I, I think a lot of people don't think about the fact that if, literally, if Jesus were to like touch down now yeah. and see everything happening, I don't think it's like, all right, got to roll up the, <laughs> I don't know, linen sleeves and get to work. Like, And, and you know, when some people I told us to, they're like, well, that's kind of... Jesus was like, why wouldn't Jesus need help? I'm like, you, you people forget. Jesus was a man. He was a human being. Right. He he got upset. Again, you read the you actually read the Bible. Jesus got upset with the with the with the, the apostles. He was like, what is wrong with you? Don't you understand who I am with He got pissed off because he was human. You know? So he comes back to earth. He's still human, but he still remembers the trauma. Mm. And the, 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 the opening scene is him having a panic attack and falling into some bushes in front of a church. That's the opening scene of the movie. Nice. Yes, because Jesus needs help too. He needs help too. Jesus needs help too. That's yours. Keep it. Use it <laughs> That's going to be the tagline of the movie. Jesus needs help too. Boom. And then for the sequel, Jesus needs help too. <laughs> the number two, because you know, that's what people love to do. Yes, days. that is what they love to do. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Minutes Heard. Make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. And follow or subscribe to Minute Man New York on Facebook, Instagram, and on YouTube. Do you have a minute?